the book of Jonah and uh, <clears throat> chapter 3. And uh, we begin this morning looking at the prophet and his message, his word. Intrigued at how God would pour a message into an individual. He would mix it and stir it and mesh it and form it and blend it until the man and the message became inseparable. Seeing the truth that God desires to do the same in all of his children not just in a preacher category, a teacher category, but he wants to form his word in all of us. And so he pours it in, he mixes it, he meshes it, he blends it, he stirs it until that word becomes one with you. It's not a book that you're going to pick up and carry. And then lay back down. It's not like being a paper boy just throwing a word out here and there. Nor is it like being a mailman. Taking a word to somebody you don't know from somebody you don't know. God generates this word in us so that others will know that this is a divine work because it's working in us. We invited some preachers here this morning, some prophets, to let you know what the Word did in their heart. We saw how Moses had to labor in the I Am of his Word. Isaiah had to listen to the woe is me of his Word. Jeremiah had to lament and weep and feel his Word. Hosea had to love his Word. John had to become less than his Word. And we noticed this morning that Ezekiel had to live out his word. But I want to come a step further and I want to use uh, for a few moments tonight the book of Jonah. We're going to look at this prophet. And I guess uh, if Jonah would would be here, he would tell us how he had to leave home with his word or his message. It was a matter of submitting to the word. And I'm thrilled about this word, aren't you? How this word has come into my heart and into my life. How this word conforms us. As we noticed this morning, how this word carries us. Oh, I'm so glad it's the Word that's doing the carrying as far as our lives are concerned. The Word carrying us. But I want to say to you that this Word does not come into your heart and life. And and many of us raised our hands that we, we want a Word this week. We do want a Word from God. We do need a Word from God. But what you have to understand is when the Word of God comes into your heart and life, it is non-negotiable. It It is not a word with which you can argue and debate or which maybe you can get God to change 
his mind and see it your way. As a matter of fact, there's not near as many invitations in the Bible as some folks think. The Bible is a command for you and I. God's not saying pretty please to anybody. He didn't send his I can, uh, I am message to Pharaoh saying, Oh, pretty please, Pharaoh, if you don't mind, would you let my people go? This was not an invitation. It was a command. God is not coming to Jonah with an invitation. He's not coming to Jonah with a negotiation. He is not suggesting, nor is he implying to Jonah, he comes with a command. And God's word always comes as a command. And I want to say to you that this word is quick and it's powerful. And this word is able to... to It is able to come into our lives and to, in a superior way, cause us to submit when we think that we don't have to. Look at uh, chapter number 3 and and verse 3. I'm interested in reading just those first three words. I love it. How many of you here tonight know what the uh, you've read the book of Jonah or you know the story of Jonah? Would you raise your hand real high? You know the Jonah story. You know how God came to him in chapter 1 and said, I want you to go to Nineveh and, and uh, preach unto Nineveh the bidding that I, I, I call you to preach. You know how Jonah didn't want to go. And so he decided he'd go down and take a ship and go under Tarshish. And uh, it was on that ship that God sent a storm out there and prepared a whale. And so they had to throw Jonah overboard and the whale swallowed him up. He spent three days and three nights in the belly of the whale and then the whale couldn't stand him and the whale spit him out. He landed on dry ground and the same word that came to him the first time came to him the second time. There was no change in it. And said, go preach what I told you to preach the first time. And notice what the scripture said. That's where I pick up verse 3, the first three words. So Jonah arose. It looks to me like the word of God won out, didn't it? Let me just phrase it this way, and I'll give it to you at at the end of the sermon again. God said, Jonah, go. He said, no. The Lord said, oh. And the word of God said, so. And can I say to you, it is that emphatic in all of our lives. If the word of God gets in you, it's going to take over. As it does in Jonah's life. And in doing so, Jonah is going to have to surrender. And he does surrender. And so it is with you and I. When the Word of God gets in us, it it brings within us that authority and it brings within us that that power and and it causes us to, to submit and to surrender. There are many things that I have found myself doing that uh, I would have never dreamed that I would have done, but the Word of God prevailed in my life. 
Now, just three simple thoughts about this, this word that is mixing and meshing in Jonah's life, causing him to submit and how important it is that he submits because his message is submission, is it not? When he goes to Nineveh, he says to Nineveh, Repent, but if you don't, within 40 days, God is going to bring judgment. You've got to submit. But how could he preach unto Nineveh what had not taken place in his own heart? And how can we, how can we say unto others, Believe and submit to the Word of God if we ourselves have not submitted to the same Word? But don't worry about it. God Almighty has ways of making us submit. You don't have to volunteer. Matter of fact, you're not going to volunteer. But the Word will prevail in our hearts. And there is a submission that is brought forth in Jonah's life. There is a surrendering to the Word of God. Let me point out the three things. First of all, I want to suggest to you that Jonah has to surrender as he leaves with his message. He has to surrender, first of all, his opinions. He must surrender his opinions. Now, the great struggle that went on in Jonah's heart was the fact that he did not like the Ninevites. Because the Nineveh was the capital of Assyria. Assyria was the world power in that hour that was conquering all the other nations and they were so vicious and they were so devastating and, and uh, the, the, the brutality was, was almost unexplainable that they would bring upon a nation when they brought it into captivity. And so all the other kingdoms feared Nineveh and they feared uh, this place called Assyria. They feared these people. And of all people, I'm sure that the Israelites sure didn't like them. They felt about Assyria like we have felt in the past about Russia or how maybe some feel in this hour about China and its growing uh, power. Uh, they just didn't like that. And, and I'm sure that this, this is the feeling that Jonah has. He does not want to go. As a matter of fact, in 2 Kings chapter number, uh, I think it's chapter number 14, Jonah makes a prophecy. God gives Jonah a word years before. We don't know how many years before. But he gives a word about Israel. And it seems to be related to this this world-dominating power. And in that prophecy, Jonah prophesied that the day was going to come when Israel would expand her borders and that Israel would conquer her enemies and that Israel would become a prevailing force. And, and you know, Jonah probably enjoyed preaching that. That was a prophecy message that God gave him. And, and no doubt he probably had a, 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 a seven-series sermon set on prophecy and what God's going to do with Israel. Can't you imagine that out of that? Then he probably had all these charts as to what was going to happen. 
You know, God just came and gave him a little word, and I'm I'm sure that probably expanded within him. It certainly affected his attitude toward Nineveh and his opinion about wanting to go there. Now, God, I can't, there's no way I can can reconcile the first word you gave me with the second word you've given me. I don't want to mess with them people, and and if they're going to be destroyed in 40 days, if I don't preach to them, I just won't preach to them. And then you kill them. And then Israel will be spared. These are no doubt the thoughts and the feelings and the opinions. You can read the book and tell. He doesn't want to go there and he doesn't like them. And he's not going to go. He's already made up his mind. I ain't going. Affected by his opinions. Well, I'm going to tell you something. I don't know if we'll ever know in this life, but it would probably surprise us as to how much of our spiritualities operating off our little religious laws and systems and feelings and opinions and what we think about that and what we think about this other thing and how we see things and how we feel about things and how we just can't reconcile things and we get one little word and we think we can figure God out on everything. That's how I'm telling you, I've done had a word on it. As a matter of fact, I've done preached a seven series sermon on this thing. That we're going to prevail in Assyria. If we're going to prevail, then Assyria must be the one going down. And I mean, I've got a, a what am I going to do with my sermon series? And all my charts. I don't hurt no feelings. But you know, I get tickled at these prophecy, prophecy. And I mean, you know, my, my feelings about the second coming has been about like yours, probably what you've been taught here, what you've believed. But here's what I want, and I don't want to throw no cog into it, but I'm just wondering, will it be all right if it don't turn out just exactly the way we think it might? Could it be possible that maybe Clarence Larkins had a line in the wrong place? And if he did, I mean, you know, how do you feel about that? I'm going to tell you, everybody in here has got a theory on a lot of things. But it's going to affect us somehow in our relationship with God someday when He wants to work one word in us and we're stuck on another word. See, I done told you that this matter of the word is a matter of writing the word. But I'm going to tell you something. God will give you a word and don't you go around trying to figure out everything and put everything else in the scope of that little word He's given you. You ain't going to figure it all out. He may come with another word that'll turn you into a tizzy because you can somehow figure out this other word, but it doesn't make any difference whether you can or not. Because here's the thing about it. He'll bring you a word, and you can ride that word. It'll ride just as smooth as can be. And the whole world around you may be topsy-turvy and, and everything, but that word, you can ride that word. It'll just ride you on out there until God brings you to the place of another word. Now, when God brings you to a place of another word, you better get on that other word or this word's going to start bucking. And you know, you know when you've missed it, when your word starts doing like this and you're trying to hold on to the past word and it's about to throw you off somewhere because you won't obey God for the next step in your life. I don't know what I'm talking about. I wrote a word into those mountains up there and pastored 22 and a half years wanting to die up there. But God wrote another word in my heart and said, you're done here, boy. You're going. And I held on to that password for two years and it liked to kill me. Jonah's got his options. He's got his little 
his little feelings, his little ideas. And I'm going to tell you something else. It's not only the matter of prophecy that has affected him, but it's the matter of pride. How in the world is he going to tell his church on Sunday morning he's going to be gone for a few weeks? And they said, well, where are you going? He said, I'm going up to preach at Nineveh. They're going to vote him out. What do you mean? You've given us this seven-series sermon on how Israel, uh, Syria is going to be destroyed and, that, and all this great prophecy and, and that laid it on the line. Now you tell us you're going up there to preach so and so they can get it right. Let them all go to hell. Opinions and ideas and little theories and feelings about this and that and the other blocking the word that God has for you. I'm going to tell you something. God has a way of breaking them little theories up. I've had one or two theories myself. It pays to have one so you don't look dumb. I mean, you want to pull it out and talk intelligent every now and then about something. About how you feel about something. But when that word begins to speak to your heart, it means for you to obey no matter how you feel. He's got to give up his, 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 his opinions. <laughs> hey, Jonah, I really don't care how you feel about it. I just said go. Have you ever told your children that? You told them to do something, they said, why? And your answer was, because I said so. Huh? Well, Billy ain't took out the trash in three days. Why don't you tell him? I don't care what he's done. You do what I told you to do. God said, Jonah, I ain't in your little pity party and sentimentalism. I told you to go, buddy. Best thing you do is hit the road. <laughs> Sounds serious. He's going to have to give up his uh, opinion. Secondly, I want to point out to you that, that, uh, that Jonah's going to have to not only surrender his uh, opinions, but he's going to have to surrender his options. Right. Now, he's got some options. And he, he you know, he's, he's a man of decision and of direction. And he, in the back of his mind, already he formulated some things. He had some things laid back there. It's amazing the things we can draw out of when we just don't want to do what God wants us to do. Little things we can think of or maybe we can sort of maneuver around it. Oh, he said, I just tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to get me a ship and I'm headed to Tarsus. <laughs> he was going in the opposite direction of what God's Word said. He said, I'm, I'm, I'm going to tell you something. That's another thing I guess I could throw in under that option thing or in that opinion thing. He had sort of had, he sort of had figured out in his mind that maybe he could outmaneuver God. And he has these options in his mind. He said, well, I'll just go in this direction. I'll just, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to, I'm going to, I made my decision, my mind up. This is the way I am going. And he, he heads out in that direction. But can I suggest unto you that, that as long as you've got an option to the Word of God, you will take that option every single time. It works throughout all life. A man can be married. And in the back of his mind, think, you know what? If it don't work out with her, I got an old gal I used to date when I was in high school. I'll just go check her out. I'm going to tell you what you're going to be doing. You're going to be checking her out. Because that's, the, that's in your mind the easiest route to go. 
And when the Word of God comes to your heart and begins to command you, what happens is, is this old mind, this old flesh that is so so good about uh, 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 thinking things up and choosing directions will, will begin to make out its own plans and it'll be opposite of what God wants because they have an option. You know what I'm feared of? Every time a man of God preaches the Word of God, he's preaching to people that have all kinds of options in the back of their mind. They're going to walk out of that door and shift that word somewhere else, and they're just going to go in their own little direction. Now, old Jonah, I don't want to be too harsh with him. There have been some great debates as to whether some think Jonah was a Baptist. Really, and some think he wasn't. I'm a little in between. The ones that think he was a Baptist, they think he was because the Bible said while the storm was raging, he was asleep. In my experience of preaching the Baptist, that's pretty close. But others think he wasn't a Baptist because he paid his own way. (laughs) Well, I'll let you figure that out. Well, what I want to say to you, he he thought he was going to dart out, but what he didn't realize, that, that the same word that spoke to him and told him to get up is the same word that spoke to the whale and swallowed him up. And the same word that spoke to the whale again and spit him up. And the same word that straightened him up and sent him where God told him to go to begin with. God's word taking charge in Jonah's life. He has to surrender his opinions, how he feels about it. He must surrender his options, his his little decisions and his little directions. I don't know. I, you know, in these modern days, we use these terms that, they, I don't know, decisions. They made a decision. They made a decision. What's that mean? You decided to, you decided not to, or you decided. I don't know. I don't find a whole lot. I, 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 just, just be honest with you. He ain't really gave me a choice in many matters. <laughs> Many times the Lord's come to me. Matter of fact, I don't remember He's ever come to me with a choice in the matter. You want to, you don't want to. <laughs> I like to you to go into evangelism. You want to, or you don't want to. <laughs> no, He said to you, "You going, buddy?" Huh? Have you ever sensed that in your life that He has? He has worked things around and controlled things in your life and brought you exactly where He wanted you to be when you didn't have any desire to do that. But He made you submit. In your opinions, He made you submit in your options. But now the last thing. Jonah is submitting, he is surrendering. But I want you to notice how He must surrender and submit his opportunities. Now, 
Jonah is a prophet. He is a man of God. He can make no sense out of going to Nineveh and preaching up there. It would seem to him that his calling and his service for God was right there in Israel. That's where God had called him and that's where he would operate. But little did Jonah know that simply by obeying the word of God, that the greatest opportunities of service lie beyond him. Think about it. Think about what while God is working and operating in his life and causing him to submit and causing him to surrender, he is doing a marvelous and a grand work. Think about it. What a work he's doing. First of all, there's a work that was accomplished in Jonah's heart and life. As the word of God comes to him, and he arises and he goes to Nineveh, the greatest work of all is the work that took place right in his individual heart. And it was a work of submission and surrender. You see, we look all around us trying to see what God can do over here or what God can do over there and where the opportunities are. But I'm going to tell you where the greatest opportunity of God to work and where God needs to work more than anywhere else is right inside here in this ticker. Because see, if he ever gets you right, and he ever gets you to bowing to the truth of the Word of God, he won't have no problem with those around you. He has submitted, he has surrendered, now he is going with the Word of God. God has worked this truth in him. It has been churned, it has been been birthed, it has been blended, it has been meshed into Jonah's life. And now he's spit up on a beach. (laughs) But he comes out of that whale. Can you imagine what he looks like? Seaweed all over him. This is not his Sunday special seat. He stinks like fish. And he sets his face like a flint, headed toward Nineveh. And God's fixing to do a great work of revival up there, a work of submission and surrender. Somebody said, how in the world is old Jonah going to go up there and preach to them dangerous, devilish Ninevites? The worst of the worst in culture and, and, and people. Wicked and vile. I wouldn't go up there. I'd be afraid. I ain't going to go to preach no Ninevites. I'm scared. Somebody said, well, how come Jonah wasn't afraid? 
I'll tell you why. Because he was scared of somebody else. Honey, if you just spent three days and three nights in the belly of the whale in the depth with God Almighty, you ain't never seen a Ninevite you wouldn't stand toe-to-toe with. Let them draw their swords and let them look mean. They can't look no tougher than no Jonah does. <laughs> he come out of the belly of that whale with a conviction. Yeah. And he went up there. Seaweed just hanging down over one eye. Stinking like fish. God had worked a word in him. No wonder when he preached, they got shook up. I mean, how in the world are you going to shake the Ninevites up? Well, you know what they look like. An old pagan people used to killing people, cutting them open, pouring salts in, into their wounds, doing the most cruel things. What a congregation! That the average preacher wouldn't even want to go near. Old, Nemo, old Jonah walks right in the midst of him. He said, I got a word from God. He spoke deep down. He said, God sent me here. And God said, you better repent. You got 40 days. Only said eight words. Is that what eight words? And the Holy Ghost conviction fell on that outfit. You know why? Because he was transferring to them the truth that he had already received. He was preaching that thing so emphatic. Somebody said, how in the world? Did you see that anointing on old Jonah? Did you see how he preached that sermon? How in the world could he preach to them people like that? I'll tell you how. He said, repent! And he could have went on and said, I'm telling you, better repent. You better submit to this word. I've already tried to fight it. It don't work. I just got out of a well. Did you ever have a man of God come in on an average service? And take that sacred desk and you didn't have no idea where he'd been but God had been working and churning in him for days and he got up and took a word of God and sent that across that congregation and hearts melted and trembled because what that man preached to you God Almighty had worked it in him in the wee hours of the night the <coughs> circumstances of his life and that word was the authority in his life and it became an authority in your life. <laughs> Jonah got a lot of them handshakes after that Nineveh sermon. They said, Preacher, I can tell you, I can only tell you I appreciated the sermon. I can't tell you I liked it. Huh? You ever have anybody say that? And I appreciate that. I like that, said Preacher. I can't tell you. I enjoyed the sermon, but I appreciate it. Why? The word of God thundering forth. 
bringing forth a blanket of submission, saying, oh God, I know what you've been saying to my heart, and I'm sorry for fighting with you about it, and I know I've done told you I didn't come out like Jonah just out and open, open out now. But I, in my heart, I've been fighting it. But I'm tired of the war. He said, "Now Jonah, head on up there and do what I told you to do." Said right away, Lord. Now, he still didn't like the sermon no more than he liked it before. I'll be honest with you, folks. You don't know, I don't like a lot of what I preach. But I've got to preach it. Because I don't like a lot of what I have to live. But what, God did a work in him, and then he did a work in them. That's it. But see, what he didn't realize was God was doing a work for the Israel for Israel too. Yeah, that's right. It was going to spare them some time to get right. See, if old Nineveh hadn't got right, they might have been right down there the next week. But they got right with God, and it spared Israel for a while. See, you never know what God's going to do in His Word if you just submit. Instead of trying to figure it out and argue with God and fuss about it and get determined in your heart and, and, uh, and just... Uh, grin your teeth and, and snarl in the face of God Almighty, just realize if somehow you could submit to that Word, you'll realize that God Almighty's Word can work in you and work up there and work over here at the same time. Accomplishing what needs to be accomplished. This Word submitted to done such a work in Jonah's heart That even in the Old Testament, it brought out a revelation of Christ, did it not? Yep. As Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the whale, even so must the Son of God be in the heart of the earth. I say that word done a pretty good word. For it's over with, old Jonah was looking like Jesus. <laughs> By the way, that's the ultimate goal of the Word of God, just to... Wrench and work and twist and turn and blend. And it's amazing at, at the opportunities that the Word of God, the effects of the Word of God on so many levels and in so many areas. Isn't it amazing how God works, His Word works in so many areas? How he brings things together in our lives through his word. Yes. I told you this morning I was just a young, right at 15 year old when I got saved. Went to Bible college down in Greenville, South Carolina. And I, I wasn't even, I, while down there just having a mind on going to school and going to hearing preaching. I went everywhere to hear preaching, hear preaching. There's no more from the mountains of North Carolina moved down there. And Dr. Seitler had a habit because I was a bachelor sending every, uh, every young fellow that didn't have no place to stay. He thought that little old trailer would hold everybody. And he had him, an old boy come over and knocked on the door and said, you know, Dr. Seitler sent me, you got any place I can stay? And I said, well, I guess. I mean, we can sleep somewhere. 
And he wasn't there, you know, a few months, and he'd been trying to get me to go back up in the mountains with him. I'd never been in the mountains of North Carolina. And one night, I'll never forget, he came into my room, and, uh, and, uh, and, and by the way, the Lord sent me there. He sent me there. But he came into my room, and he said, I want to read you something. I said, what is it? He said, uh, Dear John Leonard. I didn't know what one was. I said, who's he? He said, well, I don't know. He said, my girlfriend's breaking up with me. I said, well, go ahead and read it. And he read the letter about how she was, uh, uh, didn't feel led that they ought to be together and that she was praying for him, the Lord would use him, and she felt like the Lord wanted to use her uh, in different ways, just wasn't the Lord's will. And the thing about it was is, see, I wouldn't even think about I really wasn't. I wouldn't even think about dating. I wasn't looking for a girlfriend. Or I was just a young fellow just preaching and wanting to hear preaching and all. And I was laying there in that bed when he read that letter. And, uh, and I'm going to tell you, the more he read, the more I liked I already did. He got done reading that letter, this honest truth. I said, you ain't got a picture of her, have you? <laughs> he wasn't too bright. He said, yeah, I do. So he went in there and he got that picture. Now, I'm going to tell you, I ain't no Benny the Hen. This don't happen every day, but I'm going to tell you this happened. He come into that picture, he handed me that picture, and my mind was not within, I had not been before that night in a million miles of marriage or anything else, and I held that picture up. Now, I'm telling you the truth. The Holy Ghost said, that's her. And it shook me. You know what I said to him? I said, uh, I gave him the picture back. I don't guess he could add two and two. I, I mean, the Lord had it shut down in him, I reckon, because that's the next word. I said, when are you going back to the mountain? <laughs> that's the truth. <laughs> so I rode with him to the mountains. We took his car. We went to the church. And would you believe it or not, Esther was sitting up there playing the piano at that time, just as a young girl playing the piano. I later pastored there. I was watching her play that piano. I said, thank you, Lord. <laughs> I dated her twice, asked her to marry me. I started to on the first time, but I thought she was she afraid she'd think I was jumping the gun. But God had already worked in her heart before I ever met her. The Holy Ghost had told her, don't ever date anybody but a preacher and I'll get you the preacher you need to marry. And God had already told me in my heart that I was not to date and fool with girls. I needed to find one that had surrendered to be a preacher's wife. And I didn't know that she had done that. And one that could play the piano. That was two things in my heart. <laughs> And I got good looks in the whole nine yards. <laughs> but now how do you think that all come together? And it never would have come together if the Word of God hadn't gotten my heart and gotten her heart and settled some matters. 
and brought the opportunities together. And I tell you, the Lord don't have no problem working in your son and daughter's heart and life and working in, in your mom and dad's life. Brother, a young person, the Lord will have no problem, listen to me, getting you a young lady, a husband, or a young man, a wife. If you will, right where you're at, just let His Word have the full reign. Amen. He'll take care of everything else. The Word of God will bring you It'll work in your heart, and it'll work in somebody else's heart, and it'll just bring that thing together just like it ought to be. <laughs> That's right. Yes, yes. Just a simple surrendering that may not be so simple. And you know, it's a little humorous every now and then when you look into somebody's eyes that thinks maybe they got the upper hand on God. And it kind of makes me grin. And I think, oh boy. <laughs> Before this thing's over, we'll talk, we'll talk again. <laughs> because God has a way of getting you where you need to be. Hey, what did we say in the beginning? And the Lord said to Jonah, Jonah, go! <laughs> Jonah said, no! <laughs> and the Lord said, oh? And the word of God said, so Jonah arose. Why don't you just go ahead and let him have his way? And you'll be surprised at the outcome. His word work and surrender in us. Let's stand by our heads.